Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Soccer America, the soccer paper of record. Go to SoccerAmerica.com and sign up for your subscription today. And by Nella from Fit Bionics. The Harvard doctor has found a probiotic strain that is found in most world-class athletes. Not all probiotics are the same. More information on all our sponsors at OverTheBall.com slash sponsors. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, a special edition of Over the Ball today. Going to talk about the MLS Cup with Soccer America's Mike Boitola. He's with me here in the studio. Uh, Mike, I saw the game on television, but uh, wow, first of all, what an amazing, amazing game, a game we've waited a long time for. Uh, I am jealous that I was not actually at the game because you were telling me about the atmosphere. The atmosphere was tremendous. You know, one one side note on the game was that uh, there was no parking available because of a conflict with a USC football game going on next door later in the evening. But it didn't matter. They uh, let the fans know early. It was packed by the time the kickoff um, and the atmosphere uh, was the best probably that I've ever experienced in you know 40 years. I think uh, watching a Boca Juniors game at La Bombonera, I think, was the last time I was at a place where everybody was singing the entire game it was just fantastic and then obviously you had the the, the the play on the field was super yeah you know that's one of the things that impressed me most but when you said that because look you've been in this game for for what do you say 40 years so if yeah. not more right so i mean you've seen a lot of games and i i i remember i gave two of my tickets away to the columbia u.s game at rose bowl back at 94 and the person couldn't believe how amazing the, the game was this person is now a soccer fan has been watching games and he was there and just said, it just absolutely blew that game away. It just blew every game he's ever been to away. So for you to say that as well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, for a soccer I, was person. Thinking, yeah, I was thinking of games I went to like Borussia Dortmund, even St. Pauli, um, you know, that, that have great fans, but th- this was amazing. Well, part of it was the stadium. So good. Yeah. You know, it's a 22,000 seat stadium with a roof over the fans um, and the LAFC fans who, did their march into the stadium about an hour and a half early. Um, you know, they sing a lot like the Argentine fans. Uh, they even use one of their Bad Moon Rising parodies as, as one of their scenes. So they're constantly singing um, and then obviously cheering, uh, re- reacting when that's, when that's the time to do that. So that's kind of set the stage for what was a terrific game with two teams that had, you know, different styles, the more skillful LAFC, the, you know, a little more physical Philadelphia Union, and then having the the comebacks. If the game had ended in regulation, it would have been a great game. And then, of course, you have the drama of overtime and penalty kicks and the now famous John McCarthy, who came in at the last minute to, after having played only one game in the season and saving the two penalty kicks. So, um, you know, I know this has been cliched now and everybody's used the Hollywood ending kind of um, headlines, but uh, well, it is Hollywood. So you have, you have no was, choice. Uh, yeah. You know, and then you had all your celebrities down on the field, your Will Ferrells and stuff and Magic. Magic Johnson giving a speech beforehand saying he wanted to add to his 10 Lakers rings for being where he was a player. Oh, the place was going nuts, right? I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, look, this is something that soccer fans have always wanted in this country, which was a soccer-specific stadium where the atmosphere is, uh, you know, and I always go back to New England where I feel like it's such a lost opportunity because the stadium is just a big football stadium and American football stadium, and it just doesn't come across. And to be in that atmosphere is like, this is what the game's about, and people marching to the game. So everybody gets there. The um, You know, it's real East Coast, sort of a working class uh, kind of a 
team against this this glamorous LAFC, and uh, yeah, it, it it paid off. So talk about the play because um, look over the years, the play in MLS has you know dramatically improved, and and the excitement was there end to end. So this was the first time you had the both the top two seeds make it to the final since two thousand three. Uh, you had the two highest scoring teams in the league. The the hype ahead of the game was. Uh, you know, this is going to be a fantastic game. You had the semifinals were very exciting on both ends. And usually when that happens, the final disappoints. I mean, if you just, Always. If you just look through the history of even Champions League finals and World Cup finals, so often they're a disappointment. Um, the first half was... Yeah, but like, let me catch you off there, because you know, one of the things I've always said to people about who are not, who are casual soccer fans, will watch the World Cup final, and it's not always a great game. And I said, if you look at the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl's own in football, American football, aren't always great. It's Maybe. the playoffs that, that lead to it that builds that excitement. Well, it is kind of an indictment on the sport of soccer when you have the best of the best. I remember a Champions League game, I think it was the Chelsea one that I'm watching, and it's got the two richest teams playing there, the biggest stars in the world, and then you have kind of a boring game, um, which you wouldn't expect from when you have the best players in the world. Right. There, but that's because of soccer being so unpredictable, and uh, it can be defensive if that's what they choose to do. You had two teams that just attacked. The first half maybe not have been the greatest half of soccer, but, uh, you know, you got L.A. going up. And then the the way that Philadelphia would surge back when they went down was just absolutely incredible. Then you needed LAFC to tie it up. It was just uh, – and then, unfortunately, you had the bad injury with uh, Max Crepo, the goalkeeper who, who had his leg broken, uh, which was so awful they didn't even show the replays of it. And that's when McCarthy came in and then Gareth Bale, who's hardly played, who most of us would have thought was like, well, what's he doing? Why, why they bother signing him? Right. And then he jumps up and out jumps the hero, Elliot, who had scored two for, two for already. Uh, yeah. Out jumps him and heads it in. And I was on that end of the stadium and, uh, you know, it's it, it really was wonderful. <laughs> it's got to be something with Bale because well, I call him Christian Bale half the time here in L.A. because we're in Hollywood. But. There's got to be something with him because no matter what team he goes to, he doesn't play. You know, whether it's Real Madrid or Tottenham or, or LAFC. So, and then he gets that goal. Yeah, it was super. Um, the 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 and and, and uh, you know, in the locker room after it was kind of chaotic, and it was, you know, you got your Will Ferrell, your champagne, and everywhere. And you know, Gareth Bale is uh, he's a pretty very kind of cool, low key, pleasant type of guy. Yeah. So. And same with Cellini, you know, he who didn't play, who's, you know, 30, what is he, 38, 39-year-old defender. You know, why would they sign him? Um, and he played he, early in the season. He played a little bit early in the season. He played, he started in the semis, played a half. Um, but, you know, I talked to him afterward, and I asked him if he had ever been in, a, you know, how he would compare the um, atmosphere yeah. at LAFC Bank of California Stadium. And, uh, you know, this guy played Zaria off for almost two decades um, he said, well, first of all, he was surprised at how amazing it was. Yeah. He also knew that uh, how important it would make it for them to host playoffs because of that atmosphere. Right. He said the only thing that I ever compared that he experienced was uh, the, the crowds in southern Italy. He said that. <laughs> Down <laughs> south. Yeah. That, like that, in Napolitan. Yeah. Kind of passion or the, the, the enthusiasm that you would get there. Uh, so it was quite, quite tremendous. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, uh, you look at Chirondolo and then you look at Cellini. Cellini's like another coach. I mean, imagine having all that knowledge and, and those young players just absorbing that. You, you can't say that certainly didn't hurt. I believe both of them came knowing they might not play that much and yeah. they were good with that. And they, and they, and Chirondolo, you know, one thing that was interesting about the game is you had two relatively young American coaches, Jim right. Burton and, and Steve Chirondolo, um, and both who were, you know, 
terrific guys. They, they, they're very honest about their, when they do interviews, they're, they're yeah. intelligent. Uh, Steve Tarandolo played, you know, 18 years in Germany or yeah. something in Germany. He was so famous there. They are so popular there. They call them the mayor of the Hannibal. mayor. Yeah. And he came over, he came back to the United States. He spent a year coaching their, you know, their affiliate team. Yeah, he's the newbie. Vegas. He's the newbie as far as his coaching. Uh, Kurt yeah. is sort of a tried and true. Right. And Chirundolo had been, you know, he kind of interned almost by being a coach of their affiliate team in Las Vegas. Um, and then Bob Bradley, who had basically created this team for four years. And, yeah. Um, then they didn't make it to the playoffs. But even though they didn't make it to the playoffs last year, since the first since the first day that LFC joined the league, they looked like a team right. that could win a championship. And they played attractive soccer. They were one of those teams where if you tuned in, you weren't going to be disappointed. You know, you knew that you got, you know, Carlos Vela, very skillful, obviously with big Latin influence. Yeah. Um, so for all those years, you're thinking this is a team that, you know, should should get the championship. Should do well. Well, they have that shine. It's almost like uh, it seems like every team that's come after the team before them has improved on building the infrastructure, the launch, everything. So you'd say like Atlanta was the was the the, the gold standard there, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden LAFC came along and did it right. Uh, and especially in Hollywood, where um, you know, and I was talking to a, a one guy at a bar, and he, and he was saying, uh, "No, the Galaxy are the sort of Hollywood team." I go, uh, "I don't, I don't think so, man. This is well, the the the." the uh, LAFC's got like 31 owners, which include, you know, actors and right. Randy Johnson and Mia Hamm. Um, it's like a celebrity restaurant. Obviously, yeah. they do have a, a, a the main owner um, who, who, who who really runs it. Is that it, Peter but, Goober? Uh, yeah, Chris Berg, I want to say. Oh, Could, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, the, I think that's something that I've always been waiting for. And we've gotten some of that in the past. We've had some great teams like the DC United teams. Um, Atlanta, yeah. as you mentioned, uh, that you know, soccer in, in the United States should be played the way that reflects our culture, which is which is flamboyant, which is attack minded, which is you know colorful, and um, that's what this game was about. You know, yeah. it, was just a, it was just a super a super event. It's also one of those things where I mean, I'm not that obsessed with soccer needing to become more popular in the United States because I think it's massively popular. You know, right. it's it's uh, incredibly. The, the kind of fan, the amount of fans that show up to games, whether it's international friendlies, um, but this is the game when you're going to have more neutrals watching than any other time, any right? Other, right? And to have a game that the neutrals will enjoy, I think, is always a good thing. You know, you have a one-zero penalty. You know, you have a you have a, a, a victory where only the only people that really enjoy the game were the fans of the team that won. That won. And that reminds me, you know, it did end with a penalty kick shootout, which usually is, um, as Paul Gardner wrote, I think Paul Gardner did a really great column for us today in Soccer America about the game, um, that, you know, usually a shootout is going to be, uh, but LA, you know, won it quickly. It, it, like, but, and, and the team that I think, you can't really say one team deserved it than the other. And as Paul wrote in this column, he said, I want to be clear. There was really no loser. No loser yeah. It was a hell of a game. Yeah. yeah. And either yeah. Te- both teams should be proud. Yeah. But then that shootout added the, you know, the excitement. The, I mean, yeah. I, and I, uh, I actually did say to the, the reporter next to me, when um, John McCarthy came in, I, I kind of joked, I said, now watch him come and be the star. Save that. <laughs> well, it's so, the best possible as a player. It's the best possible thing because, no one expects you to overperform because yeah. you're you're on the bench, you're cold, you're out of you know, out and of, you he, haven't been playing, and and then he plays and he gives up a goal, saves. right? He, yeah, he, he he actually made a save on that play, and then the rebound went in, and so it looked like he go here's a guy who's going to go down in history as right. giving up a game winning goal when he came off the bench, and then it just turns around. And uh, the other thing that happened that was nice is you know we everybody was obviously very concerned about Max Krepko because we had gotten word and 
Um, you know, we found out how badly his his leg was mangled, the poor guy. Um, during the press conference with Steve Terundolo, a security guy came in with a phone and Max was on the FaceTime and um, talked to Steve. And then Steve held up the uh, phone and said, everybody say hi to Max. And we all said hi to Max. And, you know, he gave us a thumbs up from the, with a big the smile yeah. on the bench. Um, aye, aye, aye. So it was, a, that was kind of nice because you always had that in the back of your mind that here was the one thing that really went wrong. But um, so it was just sort of one of those great feel good type of uh, atmospheres and great day for the sport. Yeah, but you, t- you touch on something where uh, the provinciality of the league uh, and the viewing, the viewership of it, um, this was a game for the masses, for everybody across the country, uh, internationally too as well. Uh, this speaks to the new Apple deal where a 10-year deal um, where all production is going in-house. Um, it's going to change the nature of the game, whether for better or worse, I'm, I'm not quite sure because – as soccer fans, we've always wanted it to be a you know a national game, uh, like the NFL is or the NBA. But um, so this maybe is the first step. But I hope we don't lose that the the uh, the spirit of the, the provinciality of the game. Yeah, and, and you remind me of when uh, the, the, you know when the league started with ten teams, um, and then had twelve, and then back to ten, and then slowly grew up to where it is now. Yeah three times as many um there was always this phrase about well the league needs a national footprint right right um and that that's true because you had the teams kind of scattered all over the country and if you didn't live in one of those cities it was unlikely that that person would be that interested in mls but because there are teams in so many more teams and so many more areas and then you do have games like this i think it's like the next step i never said that soccer was going to be more popular than nfl or nba or something like that i always figured you know it, you take the hockey situation where it's super popular in some places relatively popular um and you know soccer's really really gotten there it's it's uh, it's kind of neat that uh, you know there was a time when 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 we only saw replica jerseys they were like european teams right. mexican teams yeah, and now PSG, you see manchester united you now you see mls teams all over you go to seattle this has been going on for a while in seattle i was really blown away you're walking down the street and people are wearing sound sounder shirts you know in seattle well, well you know and that's you talked about uh well what soccer is the third most popular sport now i guess well no fourth right uh but you talk about NASL, I'll go back to those days when there was teams spread around the country there were some some good cross-country rivalries, but there wasn't a big full national feel about a game. The other thing that's kind of interesting about MLS is the distances, right? So I was talking to uh, Kai Wagner, the German player who um, played for Philadelphia and um, missed his penalty kick, also assisted. You know, he's a very, very good player. Yeah. Best 11. And, um, you know, in Germany, the longest plane trip's an hour. Right. And you hear you have two yeah. teams in the final that are uh, 2,000-something miles away from each other. And, um, you know, it, it is pretty remarkable. And then you think about how far the league's gotten, you know, the average, uh, you know, around 20,000, which is more than most leagues. Um, and the stadium models, I think, was a really brilliant to have a 22-seat uh, stadium. It's just right. the perfect size. Um, it, you know, it, it, it uh, guarantees almost that you'll have full stadiums and a great atmosphere. Yeah, and then the mix, there's the tickets are and then, you know, supply and demand, and the tickets are more in demand. Um, you know, say to watch, that's everyone's soccer player's dream is to play in front of 22,000 in a soccer specific stadium, not a 75,000 seat stadium. That's, that's, you know, three quarters, five eighths empty. I remember talking to Tab Ramos after the first time, the first or second time the galaxy played a LAFC and what they call El Trafico. And, you know, he was saying, this is, you know, that's like why it was like a 
Barcelona, Real Madrid atmosphere, or and probably better because the atmosphere at the Camp Nou is not that tremendous, but, you know, or a Boca Juniors uh, River Plate game or a Chivas Club America right. game. And and that comes through over the over television. You had mentioned, you know, the, the, the Apple deal and TV. The crowd noise in the background uh, really affects the drama of a game, yeah. you know, while you're watching it, even if you're watching it on TV, on TV because yeah. especially if you've got the rhythm of the ups and downs and the, you know, the peaks and valleys of it. So that, uh, that, that's a really big, important thing for the, for the television viewer. Well, you know, we've watched the, the, the broadcasters, whether it was Fox, uh, which really seemed to step up their game, you know, ESPN classically in days past, uh, TNT took a stab at it. CBS now, um, you know, this is interesting because now it moves to Apple and uh, are they going to reinvent the game or how it's presented? You know, one of my one of the things I always talk about is the the representation of American voices on air, uh, which hasn't really been embraced. The thing it seems like Fox has um, and doing a good job, but it's so funny. The game bounces around to all these different networks. You know, we've been watching football, American football, on the same network for years and years. Now we, uh, it, it seems like a change every couple of years. Now for MLS, this is a ten-year commitment. The one thing that's been missing with MLS is the television revenue. Right. You know, you you have a league. MLS relies has financially relied more on ticket sales than. Um, Obviously, leagues like the English Premier League, especially the English yeah. Premier League, could play without fans, and they'd still have the bazillion dollars to buy whoever they wanted. Right. Um, so, MLS, I don't know the exact figure, but I wouldn't be surprised if half the revenue comes from tickets or more. But by having this, I believe it's two hundred and fifty million dollar a year deal, that was kind of the missing uh, missing equation. Uh, obviously, the team, the league, has been much better than in the beginning of spending money on players. I don't want to see right. it go crazy, like. You know, the English Premier League where you have $50 million transfer fees for like, you know, an average player. But you do want to have um, the ability to sign, um, you know, big time stars or and pay, obviously be able to pay Americans so they don't always need to go abroad. Or if they do go abroad, they come back and, and play in MLS, which is something that I'm looking forward to. Because one of the things that was a little bit odd about MLS playoffs is how few americans were involved in them especially as the yeah uh, this is my concern we were talking about it you know this is what we watched happen us old guys happen with the nasl not a single american player could get on the field and uh it hurts the national team Uh, but this is different because players go overseas now it's different Uh, in that sense because you do have uh, very good young american players who are not in the league because they're playing abroad um one thing that was a little bit of a bummer because of the you know u.s about to go to the world cup is you had basically their back line your Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, DeAndre Yedlin. I think they were, you know, they were all out early. All out early, yeah. Um, and then in the final, you only had uh, Kaylin Acosta, who was who was going to the World Cup, right. and um, you had um, Hollingshead. So you had two Americans on that team. Obviously, it's going to be hard for Americans. You can't limit the amount. You're, you're limited to how much you can limit international players because of the green card issue, right? Um, but I do would like to see that you would have, you know, more Americans involved. A quota, would you say? Um, the only one that I've ever thought would be interesting was what Mexico did for a while, where they had a, a minimum and amount of minutes for young Mexican players. But, um, you know, I think that might be a kind of a last resort thing. But it, it's it's something to keep track of is to see yeah. how, because on the one hand, you do have a pretty, uh, pretty strong momentum of MLS clubs producing players, like your FC Dallas's and... Yeah. Um, uh, the union 
know? absolutely absolutely yeah. you know so all right um all right well let's um you have a, a great article in soccer america from paul gardner uh you guys have covered it pretty uh, extensively so go to soccer america uh, dot com to uh, to get all the up-to-date information on mls cup it was a wild one folks it was a great one uh i recorded it watched it uh or late that night because i had to work that day but uh man it was uh, fun to watch i just could not imagine i was i was jealous of you that you had been at that event because it's when when soccer works man and a live version it's it's just the best so. that's true yeah all right, everybody, that's all the time we have today. So uh, get your uh, Over the Ball podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For Kevin Flynn and Mike Wojtolem, we'll talk to you next time on OTP. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247.